Welcome to TPT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and here in person with us for the first time ever, we're doing a semifinal preview of TPT's matches tonight. Live on ESPN, we have Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Dan. Like you mentioned, we've never been the three of us together in a room. We're in the hallway here at Coppin State, people walking back and forth, but uh, a great place to meet up and, and do a nice little preview. Jake, you seem to be enjoying yourself this week as well. I'm very excited to be here. Very happy to be looking at you while I'm talking and ranting about these games tonight and you know how excited I am. It's going to be a good time, and uh, I'm ready to get things rocking. It is going to be a little disorienting, actually, being able to look you guys in the eyes as we're talking, but nevertheless, we'll try to fight through it and trudge on as best as we can. As I mentioned, TBT uh, has games tonight live on ESPN. First matchup of the game of the of the night, guys, is going to be Team Challenge ALS versus Scarlet and Gray, the Ohio State alumni team. This one's going to be an unbelievable matchup. I know I say that all the time, and I I, I definitely am a cheerleader <laughs> for TBT in a lot of regards. But this game, Josh, is really going to be amazing, huh? Yeah, I think um, maybe the more anticipated game of the two, if you want just a like two really evenly matched teams that I think can match each other in a lot of ways um if you go on the article and you or the website and you read the article what to know the what to know article you'll see um scarlet and gray hasn't been a great offensive team and i wonder with team challenge als who they've been scoring at a record kind of pace i mean not record but a very good pace i wonder how that matchup will kind of fare um you know the flip side is they're the best defensive team in tbt so you kind of lose one and you gain another so it'll be interesting does the offensive juggernaut for als does that continue can they um you know take advantage of guys like aaron Kraft and lighty and lauderdale who've done such a great job on the defensive side of the ball or uh does defense win championships like you hear so much so i think that's kind of going to be the big battle tonight um I mean, maybe we'll make predictions at the end of the show, but um, it could really go either way. I do think um, Scarlet and Gray is in by far for their toughest test just because of the rate at which um, ALS is scoring the ball. Marshall, um, whether you look at Austin Day, who we were watching him during shoot rounds, he doesn't miss a shot. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting. It's kind of two clashing teams playing each other. And like I've said four times now, um, nothing would really kind of shock me in this game. One of the things that Scooney Penn says, Jake, a lot is that uh, they have the best big man in the tournament, Jared Sollinger. And Sollinger definitely is a, a handful. But ALS also has Kevin Pinckney to defend him. And Pinckney's really made his name both in the NBA and overseas based upon his defense and rebounding. That's going to be a great matchup to it watch. It is a really good matchup. And two guys that kind of play similar styles. Pinckney will step out and shoot it. So will Jared Sollinger. And, you know, Jared Sollinger has really been a man on a mission this summer in TBT. Has really used it as a great way to get himself some extra exposure as he tries to get back in the league. You know, he's really changed his body, changed his style. He's probably lost at least 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine he's lost, you know, 10 to 15 just while playing in TBT alone and preparing for these games. You know, he's the kind of guy that you get him in the right mindset and you continue to feed him the ball and it's going to be tough for him, you know, not to be able to score and contribute in, you know, in a great way. And, and Josh mentioned this is a very good offensive team. When you talk about Challenge ALS and Pigney has been a good part of that, but they're shooting, you know, almost 50% from the field and 40% from three. And you add a guy like Sean Marshall back to the fold for them. You know, you miss him in New York and you're still running through the teams that you're playing out there in Armored Athlete and, you know, in their first round matchup when they got to Brooklyn. You know, this is a really good team and I think that they're, you know, they're in for a good matchup, but that is going to be, you know, the key the key players that are going to be, you know, how does Pinkney match up against Jared Sollinger? Can Jared Sollinger, you know, you know, work through uh, the defensive prowess of Pinkney? It was really interesting to see in the warm-ups uh, today. They had a shoot-around. ALS also had a shoot-around last night. Marshall looked like he was moving around pretty well. Uh, seems to be a full go for tonight. I overheard Darren Collison telling uh, the team that uh, it looks like Sean's going to start. Huge difference maker for them that they did not have in the round of 16. They really try to replace a lot of his offensive 
uh, abilities with Austin Day, which they were successful. Now to think that they're going to combine the both of them potentially in the court at the same time is really going to be something to see. Yeah, did and I. Uh... It, like you said, the first time they're playing together, um, I don't think they'll find an, uh, an issue because Austin Day, when he came in, he made it a point to say, look, I'm the guy who I have the most NBA. He was very blunt about it. I have the most NBA experience. I've probably played the highest level over in Europe, but I'm here to play defense for the team. I don't want to come in and ruin anything that they have going. And with Marshall coming back, um, you know, they don't need Austin Day to go for 25 points to win the game. They need him to um, step up and make a shot here and there and then play good defense because you know Marshall's going to get uh, his points, like Jake talked about, Kevin Pinckney. Um, so I think that's kind of the the kind of maybe a storyline for them is just you know Austin Day he doesn't care that he's played in the NBA and maybe some of the other guys hasn't he's just kind of wants to win the money for them and willing to play defense be a rebounder and you know make a shot here or there so um, with Marshall coming back it only kind of opens up the floor a little bit more um, for this team and then um, I mean how do you defend that when you have the two of them playing down low and then you have Casper Ware kind of lurking around the perimeter and so many other guys who they can kick it to who can make a shot get into the lane and finish so um you know, what can we say? They're such a great offensive team. Um, and, you know, Jared Sollinger and Evan Ravenel, they're going to have their hands filled. But uh, I do think on the other end, um, they might have, well, they don't have the, maybe the advantage inside, but they can certainly match that team. Like we mentioned with Sollinger, Ravenel's been very good, a couple of other guys for them. So, um, yeah, this game might be won or lost in the paint, actually. We talk about how guard play is so important in TBT, and both teams, we know what their guards can do, whether it be craft defensively or, um, you know, any number of guards on these teams, but uh, yeah, this game might be one in the paint. Who can rebound? Who can um, kind of stop the other guys, big men from scoring? So that'll be uh, interesting to watch how that kind of battle unfolds. I was talking to Fran Fraschilla this morning in the coffee shop, and we were talking about the Marquette alumni team, and I asked him, what happened to Dwight Bikes in that Super 16 round? And his answer was Aaron Kraft. And he just said, Aaron Kraft is a guy that he can shut down NBA guards Anytime he wants, you know, his, his issue obviously has been a perception of, of shooting, but the bottom line is like Kraft versus Spencer. I mean, I'm sorry. I almost said Spencer where, um, Casper, uh, Casper Ware versus Aaron Kraft is really, I think the guard matchup to look for over the night, that entire offense for team challenge ALS seems to go through Casper Ware. you know, when, when they need a point, he scores it when they need a dish, he dishes it. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see that Jake, how well Aaron can defend Casper tonight. And you talk about how well he was against Dwight Bikes against Marquette. He shot, you know, one of four from the field in that game, completely eliminated their best offensive player. But you talk about it, Aaron Kraft, you know, has made a living for himself playing on the defensive end, being a scrappy style player. You watch him after their first game in Brooklyn, and he's got you know scrapes and bruises right. all over, up and down his body. It's just what he does, and he's talked about that in post game. It's how he's played his entire life. It's a great way to get the team going, and you know, he thrives himself off that style too and you watch him you know he makes a great play on the defensive end he'll bring it down the floor push the tempo and get to the lane as well and try and score from there so that is going to be a really good matchup and Casper Ware with some NBA experience as well had a cup of coffee with the Sixers uh you know has been a real spark plug for that ALS offense especially in Sean Marshall's absence has been the guy to really step up for that team and make the and t- take and make the big shots when necessary. But I think the one guy that has flown under the radar on that team that people need to really look at, especially tonight, is going to be Jerry Smith, who played his college ball at Louisville. Been a fantastic bigger guard for them, who has just lived at the line each and every game. Has 25 free throw attempts in TBT so far. And the closest guy on Scarlet and Gray is Jared Sullinger, a big man with only 16. So it goes to show you the kind of style that he has. Uh, you know, Aaron will probably switch on to him at some points, especially if he's living in the lane, you know, 
know, getting fouls and, and starting going to the line. He's going to be the guy that, you know, if Casper sorts of, sorts of uh, struggles a little bit when matched up against Aaron Kraft, Jerry Smith will be the one to sort of take over the load there uh, from the guards and really try and attack the lane. It's really interesting when you look at how these teams won. Obviously, Scarlet and Gray, you know, really smoked uh, the Marquette team, 81-56, had a 14, a plus 14 rebound advantage, 48 to 34, and a plus 8 in assists, 18 to 10. So not only were they rebounding the ball, but they were moving it and really playing well uh, in all facets of the game. It's going to be really interesting to see how these teams match up. I think defense is probably going to win this game. I have no idea who's going to win. I view all these games, frankly, from the round of 16 forward as a toss-up. Let's make a prediction, though. If you had to, who do you go with? I can't. Uh, honestly, like I really don't know because I. the other part, too, and this is maybe part of what I go through every year, and I'm sure you guys are feeling the same way, is that you get to meet these guys and you get to know them and you see them walking around the hotel. You get to talk to them as they're getting a cup of coffee in the morning or whatever. They're all just great guys. And it's something about this process of their professional career where maybe they had, as uh, Jake said, a cup of coffee in the NBA and now they're they're eking out the professional existence overseas. Like There's just something about them now that where they are in their mid-20s out of the limelight domestically that they're home now and they're playing on ESPN. Like I can't root against any of them. I can't pick against any of them. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I would not be surprised. I have no idea if there's a gambling line on this game or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a total pick them yeah. uh, just because it's so hard to know exactly who's going to show up from one game to the next. But if we find that number, we'll let you know. I, I obviously am not rooting for anyone to gamble in the game, but we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll be the bad guy and I'll make a prediction. Okay. Um, and this is tough as a Boston guy. Cause you have Sean, I mean, I'm not a BC fan, but Sean playing for Pete Frady's, which is, really a Boston kind of hero right yeah. now. And I think what we should mention too, obviously um, donating the 250,000 and uh, to Pete Frady's and they've already donated to the ALS association. And also um, uh, Sean Marshall and Pete Frady's other former roommate, Joe Ayers, who played on the BC baseball team, donating $5 for every point they have tonight. And if they end up playing on Thursday as well. And then you have Jared Sullinger, who uh, I just loved him when yeah. he played for the Celtics, such a good guy. And um, tr like Jake mentioned, just trying to find his way. Um, if I had to pick, I, I think Scarlet and Gray ekes it out. Uh, tough game. I think defensively, they're going to give ALS some problems that they might not have been, you know, faced yet. Yeah. But like you said, it's a pick on either way. But if I had to pick, I go a great game with, um, you know, Jared hitting a couple of free throws late to, to seal the deal. Well, we'll see what happens. I think that's going to be an interesting uh, selection. What do you think, Jack? You have that same idea? I'm going to go with Scarlet and Gray, and, and I honestly am not sure it's going to be that close. I would love for really, I, I would love to see Challenge ALS win this game. They are fantastic stories. Josh yeah. had mentioned, and you know, to see Sean Marshall support in the Frady's family, a close friend in Pete Frady's, his former college roommate, and to see them win the money would be fantastic. But I almost feel like this Ohio State team, this Scarlet and Gray team, is just a team of destiny. Like you know, Scooney Penn has yeah. really compiled a fantastic group of guys that play within each other, that know each other very well, and are just really enjoying playing with each other. Yuskuni has talked about it. They call themselves an AAU team. You know, they're making these road trips. They're playing games on back-to-back -back days or, you know, on very short rest. And they're just having fun doing it. They came out to practice yesterday and they were having a half-court shooting competition for a little bit of money on the side. You know, just to have a little fun and, you know, spark a little competition amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. They just seem like the kind of fun, free-flowing team that is just destined to win this kind of tournament and I think that's going to happen tonight. That's interesting that you say that because I think I would use the exact opposite terms to describe Challenge ALS. They just are all business, you know, and as personable and as great as Sean is to talk to on the phone, every time I see him on site, he's got this locked in, almost like a game day face all the time. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if ALS wins. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Scarlet and Gray wins. I do think that the intensity level of both of these teams is going to be really, really high. 
um, I don't know. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a great game. And I'm not just saying that as a TBT cheerleader. I'm just saying it as a sports fan. It's going to be an awesome one to watch. Both teams have awesome things to root for and really great guys playing for them. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to make a prediction on any of these games, uh, but I do think that um, it's going to be a dynamic game tonight. We'll see. All right. So the second game tonight, guys, is at 9 p.m. live on ESPN. From a crowd attendance perspective, this is probably the one that's going to draw in the most people, but it's Bayheim's Army uh, from the Northeast Regional Champion versus two-time defending champion Overseas Elite. Uh, Overseas Elite has never been beaten in TBT history 17-0, and which is unbelievable when you think about the luck and the skill that you have to have to make it that far uh, for 17 straight games. But Overseas Elite, nevertheless, is facing an opponent that they haven't really faced a team like before. They're really going to pack it into that classic Bayheim 2-3 zone. Uh, Overseas Elite is going to have to shoot the ball very well, obviously, to beat them. Um, but, Josh, your thoughts on this one uh, coming up at 9 p.m. live on ESPN? Well, you said it there. I think if um, if Overseas Elite can play you know, three seventy five percent of the first half that foe played against Bayheim's Army. I don't know if that made sense what I just said, yeah. but if they can play that, then they win the game, no doubt about it. If they're making shots, then they win the game, I think. Um, but where you fall into trouble, like you said, is if you're not clicking a little bit early. We know they've had trouble beginning games overseas elite. They're not a first half team really. So if they have trouble starting the game and Bayheim's Army can take advantage of that, then all of a sudden you're a little bit murky right there. Um, I do think. You know, playing the zone is tough. These guys have played, I mean, Dewan Blair played for Pittsburgh. He played Syracuse all the time. These guys have played zone defenses before. They haven't collectively as a team. Um, and it does come down to shot making, but I don't think, you know, overseas elite is facing something that is like so different that they've never seen before. They're not facing like the, you know, Statue of Liberty for the first time ever. I mean, they, these guys have played zone defenses before. Um, but like I said, it does require to make shots. And if they're not shooting well, and especially early Bayheim's army can get out, you know, a 10, 15 point lead, then I think they're all of a sudden in a little bit of trouble. Um, I do think Travis Bader could be big for them yeah. tonight uh, off the bench. You always kind of see in TBT, these guys who might not get a lot of time, but they have their kind of one game. Uh, if you're a Celtics fan, like Kelly Olynyk had his one game seven uh, against the Washington Wizards. I think you could see Bader come in and get 10, 12 points and a big 10 or 12 off the bench for them and make some shots. So um, yeah, we'll have to see um, how they adjust to the zone early, but I do think if they are making shots and they um, can kind of quickly settle into the game, then I think they'll be all right tonight. I think that it's true that they haven't, it's not brand new to them facing a zone, but they haven't faced it as professionals. Because just nobody plays it, you know? And there's something about the way that they get after it, Syracuse does on defense, that is different than the way most people run a classic zone. City of God's tried to zone uh, overseas elite for a short period of time in their semifinal matchup last year and abandoned it because they couldn't get it to work. And I think there's something about having played in that system in college that these guys are easily able to fall back into it. The other part, too, is that they've got a lot of veteran experience on that team now. James Sutherland, I thought, really came into his own last Sunday, Jake, uh, in that matchup that they had against Team Foe. Uh, but your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you mentioned James Sutherland was the really the key guy in that team in their second half run. 21 of his 23 points came in the second half, and I think what jump-started his play was him and Sean Evans getting a little chippy going at each other. That sort of changed his mentality, and he went into takeover mode. We'll see if he can come out and sort of channel that same energy in tonight's game, which I think will be important for them. They'll have to really sort of gear themselves up to play in this kind of game, in this atmosphere. You know, with their fans behind them will certainly help, but I think James Sutherland is the kind of guy that needs the switch flicked on for him to really go on to that that next level. He doesn't really come out yeah. as that aggressive type player, where, you know, he looks like a Dante Green. Dante Green 
Bane will come out and get his shots up no matter what. And you know, and I think that's something that Overseas Elite has talked about and it's something that they're kind of hoping is that Dante Green will be the kind of guy that shoots them out of the game. Now, it's a dangerous you know, game plan to try and go in with that method, but they were talking about it yesterday. There's always one guy on every team that wants to be the shooter, that wants to try and take over, yeah. and they think Green is going to be that guy but also may not be that efficient doing it. So they, they want to sort of challenge him and let him get his shots up. At the same time, going against the zone, they seem very comfortable with you know what they're being offered. Uh, you talk about Travis Bader getting involved. You also mentioned that Josh. Uh, it makes sense for them to try and throw him out there, you know, maybe in the corners or something like that. You know, you, anytime you have the NCAA's all-time three-point leading score yeah. on your team, you Isn't seem that, to get... Just to think about that for a second, about how good overseas elite is. They have the NCAA's all-time leading three-point shooter. And he hardly plays. He doesn't play at all. Him and, and like, Todd O'Brien, who were key components of that team, right. are now human victory cigars. But it's like amazing because you know, like when you when you talk to uh, Colin about how they put this team together, they have components on that team that are there for specific matchups because mm-hmm. the, they know that versatility is the key to advancing in a single elimination event. Like you don't have an opportunity to get guys into a rhythm because the game not only is thirty six minutes, but it's a single elimination scenario. Like, Bader could very easily come in for 15, 20 minutes tonight, which would, I think, double or triple the amount of minutes he's played in any game so far, and score 12 to 14 points. I mean, it's going to be a really amazing scenario to see, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I think I'm just, I'm very partial to zone defenses generally. I don't know why. I just love the scenario where it's every man together rather than, like, I'm going to take this guy myself. And there's something about that concept that is really appealing to me. Um, the downside of that, fan. the downside of that though, is obviously it leaves open gaps for three point shooting. And you look at these stats of this overseas elite team. Travis Bader has taken one three, and he's missed it. He's he's not he's been a non factor from three. Yeah. You have DJ Kennedy. He's shooting forty two percent. Oliver Lafayette shooting forty five percent. Eric McCollum shooting fifty percent. Kyle Fogg twenty two three shooting fifty nine percent from three. They have so many <laughs> perimeter shooting options yeah. on that team yeah. that are going to drive that zone nuts. And if you leave open gaps like they naturally will, that's how the zone works. If you crowd the one side of the floor, the weak side is going to be open for whoever that shooter is. They're going to give them fits. They're going to and I think what overseas elite is planning on doing is they're going to shoot them out of the gym. They're going to make force them to try and go man at some point, and then they're going to absolutely demolish him. All right, so did the crowd impact that game? And if it, and if, if you think it is yes, like how big was the crowd's impact on Bayheim's Army's comeback last weekend in Brooklyn? Well, there was a point in that game where the beginning of the comeback, it was like, all right, Foe just needs a bucket kind of to, to get it, get themselves back in the game, and they didn't get the bucket. And then the crowd starts to go a little more wild, and they just kind of froze up, it seemed like. they like Their offense just wasn't clicking at all. They kind of left the ball at the perimeter, let the shot clock run down and take a wild shot. And, um, you know, it's tough because we're not in their shoes. But, I mean, I think when a team is – you're up 25, a team goes on a 10-0 run, you're not making shots, you, you can't even hear each other when you're on the court. I, you know, it, it makes an impact. I mean, uh, the crowd helps you. It certainly didn't hurt Bayheim's Army that they have that crowd behind them. I think it was – big in terms of rallying themselves kind of um if you're playing in an empty gym and you go on that 10-0 run you know you maybe give up on defense for a play and then all of a sudden you're out of it but i think that crowd maybe more than hurt foe helped Bayheim's army kind of bear down and continued like possession after possession make the stop get the buck at the other end so um if they show up today i think well, that's, certainly that's help. my question then so with that in mind and as you just said that the, the crowd really helps Bayheim's army play i think it's undoubtedly going to happen that this crowd tonight for that second game at 9 p.m. is going to be so much in favor of Bayheim's army. There's going to be a sea of orange here. Dante Green is a Baltimore native. Is going to have a ton of people himself that he's bringing, like 35 people. C.J. Fair is a Baltimore native. They're going to have uh, you know, fr- friends and family in the crowd that they're playing for and on behalf of. Uh, 
I think it's really going to be a testament to uh, overseas elites resolve if they can prevail in a scenario like this before, because in the high profile games that they've played to, to date, uh, they've been semifinal and championship game matchups in, in uh, um, the Bronx yeah. when we were at Rose Hill. And those crowds really were 50, 50 because there wasn't a natural fan base that was playing for, for example, for city of gods up in, up in the Bronx. And when they beat Colorado, there were some Colorado fans there, but there were just as many 50, 50 fans that were there. This is definitely going to be a Syracuse partial mm. crowd. So does that have an impact on these guys uh, when they're, when they're playing tonight? I will say, and then I'll pass it off to Jake. Um, overseas elite loves that. They love playing as kind of, I mean, credit to them. They still find a way to spin themselves as the underdog, even though they're 17 and now, and whether it's true or not, I mean, if you play with that chip on your shoulder, good for you. If you can still channel that. And I think they're going to love playing. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, think being like DJ Kennedy or Kyle Fogg and you have the pro Syracuse crowd. I think, you know, the alumni teams, maybe I want to say are entitled because they're not entitled, but they kind of think that, you know, um, the crowd showing up, it's kind of their championship to yeah. go and take. And I think they love kind of sending them all home upset. Um, uh, and I, I think they're going to really kind of revel in that position. But, um, you know, if it inspires Bayheim's army to play hard, then, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I do think Overseas Elite is going to enjoy that environment as much as Bayheim's army is. Gonna. This is really a scenario, Jake, almost where Overseas Elite has become not quite the full-fledged heel, WWE-style heel. But they're pretty close to it. I mean, it's they got a tar- huge target on their back. I can imagine that these fans are going to be all over them tonight, and they don't care. They well, it's amazing, isn't it? Why don't they care? It's like I would be so impacted by that. I would have such a hard time ignoring that. You know, we've talked about this behind the scenes before, but I have never seen a team in this tournament as lax as them. And it was like this, you know, before they were winning. You know, after they won one title, after they won two TBT titles, they operate with the same mentality. They were focused on themselves, having a good time, playing their style of basketball, and everything else is just you know is no is static to them. They don't really care about the other stuff going on in the background. They will not be phased by this crowd. I guarantee it. You know, they've been in these situations. Situations before, if they're down, they've made big comebacks before in the TBT Championship game. They were down, I believe it was 17 points, and they stormed back, won the game. So the crowd, whoever is involved, is not going to infect it, or affect them. I should say they're going to play their game and they're going to do it how they want to do. And they mo- most likely, you know, could come out on top, uh, you know, out of this game. And it's it, this is the you know the way they play every single time. And I think that if they, as long as they stick to their game plan and they keep continue to focus on doing what has gotten them here, then they'll be in great shape. There was a great scene uh, from the game. I think it was the game, VCU, the VCU game last Sunday, where the cameras and the mic was on Colin Curtin in the huddle. And he just, like, it was almost like a preternatural calm for a team that's about to potentially lose a game for the first time ever. But he's in the huddle and he's saying to the guys, we've been here before, we know how to do this, just move the ball. Whatever he was saying, it was like, I don't know where that kind of calm comes from, but it's got to be just from 16 previous victories of basically every time they're down at some point in these games. It's like they're almost never ahead. I mean, they're playing with house money in this tournament. You know, when you can win $3 million in two years, you feel good about what you've accomplished regardless. And, you know, it's a different kind of mindset, but it's something that has really been key and has certainly, you know, assisted them as they've made this run is that even if they're, you know, they're down and they're falling behind, they're still feel comfortable with who they are and what they've accomplished and playing with that easygoing sort of mindset allows them to come back. And then you have Kyle Fogg who's going to splash threes from everywhere. Everywhere, and Eric McCollum, who hit big shots, and obviously that you know having those kind of dynamic players 
as well as DJ Kennedy also changes, you know, the formula and how things work. But yeah, they are just cool, calm, and collected every single game. Bayheim's Army is a very confident team, Josh. Yeah. That being said, I think most observers would look at Overseas Elite's track record of success in this event and say they're their, they're their favorite tonight to win this game. What does Bayheim's Army have to do to beat them? Yeah, well, I, to get the prediction, I think they'll win too, Overseas Elite. But um, if Bayheim's Army uh, wants to win, I think the big thing is. I think Bayheim's Army has a real opportunity to get an early lead on them. I mean, that hasn't phased overseas elite before. They've come back every time. But I think key number one is they're going to have to start the game really strong. I think the zone could take a little bit of time to figure out if you're overseas elite. So bear down on defense early on. And where teams have fallen off is it seems to be a stretch, usually end of first half, beginning of second half, when their opponents go cold, they you know, have a couple of wasted possessions. They turn the ball over three, four possessions in a row. They take a couple of bad shots. And all of a sudden, you know, you've worked so hard to build up a lead and now you're down to a two point game. Um, so I think, I mean, it, it's kind of cliche, but you're going to have to play a perfect 36 minute game. You can't have a stretch during the game where you turn the ball over four or five times and give them easy buckets on the other end. So I think protecting the ball is going to be number one. Overseas elite actually turns the ball over quite a bit. Um, they're, I think they've committed more turnovers than any team in TBT. So um, you've got to take advantage of that. I think take care of the ball. And I think if you're Behan's Army, we saw them come out of the zone a little bit in that foe game and uh, in that first half, and it didn't really work for them. So I think if you're Behan's Army, kind of, you know, Jake's a Sixers fan, trust trust the process a little bit there. Stay in the zone. Keep it working. I mean, you've played it in college. You, it's gotten you to where you are right now. So kind of stick with that. Um, zone defense and eventually um, hope it pulls out. And if you know if they beat the zone and beat you, then hats off to Overseas Elite. They're the better team. But I think stick with what you got here. Don't adjust just because um, you have a bad stretch during the game or anything. Yeah, like I that. almost wonder if we're going to see a little bit of the of the Rocky maneuver where they come out hitting uh, fighting southpaw late in the game, like they bring the zone out late. You know, I almost wonder if that if maybe they're not going to try to pull something different. I, the thing is, like the the talent margin. I think the perception of overseas elites' talent level is justifiably really, really high. Whether or not it's actually that high, what I don't know is whether it's much different than what over, what uh, Beheim's army has. So, to me, I think that this is going to be an incredible matchup. Jake, your keys to success for either one of these two teams. I think the key for success for Beheim's army is you got to come out and hit them in the mouth. You've got to be the aggressive team in this situation. You are, you know, the underdog. You have your crowd behind you, but you know you're playing a team that has never lost a game in TBT, and you've got to do whatever you got to do to hype yourself up, to gear yourself up, to to take them down. You got to come out, and ha- have the first punch, try and get out to a big lead, you know, a nice stretch early on and start the game, and really let them know that you're here, you know, for business. This is not, you know, you're not playing around. You're not going to fall down to the kind of team like this. You're going to step up to the challenge, and they are certainly capable of doing. That I think this is the best Bayheim's Army team that they have ever had, yeah. and I mean it's easy to say that because they're in the final four no, and they really haven't made is, that before. But it, they are. They've done. Kevin Belby did a great job of retooling this team and bringing in a guy like John Gillian, the point guard who just graduated from Syracuse, has been a, a calming force or presence, I should say, for them at the guard spot who can you know shoot it as well as facilitate. Trevor Cooney is a sharpshooter, a Bader like guy off the bench who can hit you a big three as well. James Sutherland, you know Dante Green, all these guys play fantastic roles. Even Deshante Riley in limited minutes off the bench. Is a nice pick and roll rim runner to have for that team. So they need to come out and really step up, use the crowd to their advantage, and really try and work from there. And for uh, for overseas elite, I, I don't know what to say other than continue what you're doing. Yeah. You know how do you how do you critique them? There's there's nothing you can really say. You know when they come down. You know even if they get down by a couple points, they're a second half team. They know how to you know balance these games out. You know 
find their runs. It's a game of runs, so they will find theirs at some point. And I think that the, the key for them is going to be stretch out that zone, find the, the corners and the pockets in that zone where you can get the three-point shots off, and they'll fall because they have too many good shooters on that team for that not to happen. I'm going to take overseas elite in a nail-biter. All right. I'm going to say it's like a 74-70 type game. All right. Again, I have no idea who's going to win these games. I'm not going to make a prediction. I do think they're total toss-ups uh, from the round of 16 forward, especially once we get down to the round of uh, four. Guys, tonight live on ESPN, 7 p.m., the, t- the Team Challenge ALS, the West Regional Champion, is going to take on Scarlet and Gray, the Midwest Regional Champion, at 9 p.m. Li- again, live on ESPN. We're going to have Bayheim's Army, the Northeast Regional Champion, against Overseas Elite, the two-time defending TPT champion and the 2017 South Regional Champion. I'm so looking forward to these games. It's going to be an incredible experience. Um, Josh, I've asked you this before. Forgive me for asking again. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> you you follow us on Twitter, I right? I do. At the tournament. At the tournament. Yeah. And I know that Jake is a big, big Facebook guy, generally. Like you're constantly posting stuff on Facebook, Jake. I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the page right now, maintaining it, looking at all the likes, ready for us to go tonight, and uh, provide some great social content on the Facebook. Facebook.com/backslash the tournament for reasons previously disclosed. We're the dot tournament on Instagram. One day, maybe we'll get that handle of the tournament, but we'll have to see. Maybe a little bit more negotiation on our part. So follow us there. You can also log on to the tournament.com for all the information about TBT that you could possibly need. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're interested in entering a team in TBT 2018, send us an email at info at the tournament.com. That's info at the tournament.com. If you have any other comments, questions, or anything about TBT that you would like to know, always feel free to reach us there as well at info at the tournament.com. Guys, thanks a lot. It was great doing this in person. A little awkward because the eye contact wasn't always there. You guys were looking at your screens, but that's a very millennial thing. So very cool on your part. Uh, We'll see you tonight, guys. And thanks again for your time. And thanks for listening.